Husky Hockey fans, this is future Travis uh, coming from you from the edit bay. Uh, so, big shocker to absolutely no one, we went a little bit long in this uh, in this podcast. So, uh, I think what's kind of best is if we just split this into two episodes. So, one will come out, uh, well, now as you're listening to it. And the next part where we focus more on. Uh, realignment and questions is going to come, um, you know, a week later or so, uh, shortly after the holidays. So, um, just wanted to say, um, thank you for uh, listening and enjoy the show. Hello, 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 hello. It's good to see you. Say hello. And welcome to the Huskies Hockey Podcast, your number one St. Cloud State Huskies uh, podcast. I am Andrew, sitting here with my good friend, Weldy. How are you doing today on this uh, sweltering June night? Yeah, it's it's gross out, and it's uh, I, I'm a little bit worried about my AC. A few years ago, we had a big ice shelf that... Uh, melted and collapsed, like fell. It sounded like a gunshot, I swear. It was scary. But it fell like directly on the AC unit. And ever since then, it's like the loudest AC unit on the block. I, I bet I bet everybody hates me I, when, it, when it's these hot days. So we had somebody come out for a tune-up like two years ago um, on it to check it. So we got a quote uh, from a certain uh plumbing and heating that is around the neighborhood um if if you catch my drift on uh what service we called to do an estimate and they said it would have been thirteen hundred dollars to fix it (laughs) or just let it be loud (laughs) so i'm like you could buy a whole new air conditioning unit for, you know, once you get up to that price. So we are just going to run it until it dies. So it'll be kind of a, when it does die, it'll be a gross weekend because obviously it's going to die when it's a hundred out. Uh, but uh, everybody keep your fingers crossed for me in this heat. Yes, that, uh, that does not sound fun. In the, when I, I had a house in St. Cloud and I was living there and did not have central air. That was a a downside. I just had window units. But if you remember, we did the podcast in my basement, which was nice and naturally cool. Um, so that, that was that, that was cool. Which reminds me, as Whiskey Dave also pointed out, <laughs> that it has been six years uh, since our infamous whiskey podcast, our whiskey cast. It would have been around did. this month. Like it was probably the June 2016 podcast. Yep, exactly. Yeah, because so it was. I think I remember we were watching the, uh, or the Stanley Cup, I think the, I think the Stanley Cup game was that night or something. Mm-hmm. As you can tell, struggling to remember that <laughs> night. Uh, but So in, in honor of Whiskey Dave here, uh, huh. I, I am sipping on uh, a little uh, Whiskey Dave, if you're listening here. I've got the uh, 1792 small batch uh, is what I've got in that I'm going to be sipping on throughout the show. So uh, here's to you. Jealous. I just got the seltzer water. I, you didn't say anything about whiskey. Uh, I would have come prepared too. So 
uh, you gotta let me know about these special occasions. But um, well, magic of editing, we could hit pause. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah got, rewind and oh yes, yes. Now I have a, a very fine bourbon in my hand. <laughs> oh yeah, I've just got this, you know, uh, McAllen 15 here that yes. I just uh, apparated out of nowhere. Right. Uh, I do also have some seltzer because again, it's a hundred degrees out. Yes, um, I do have a little bit of news. Um, also, uh, Husky hockey related. Um, I did not get the uh, PA job oh. for uh, the Husky season, and I think I got host. I don't know. I don't know about you, but my dulcet toads around the concrete cathedral, I think, would have been amazing. And I think, uh, I think they messed they, they messed this one up. Let's just be honest. Did, did, did you at least get the personalized? Thanks for your interest. Or was it just the form letter? Or, no, or... that's actually the crazy thing is they didn't even like send anything out, which is kind of, I don't know, kind of it's... a bummer. Like they, like a little rejection letter would have been nice um, instead of me just kind of, you know, periodically checking my inbox, wondering if anything's there. And then just the deadline passed because I think, you know, they had in-person testing like on Thursday or something. But just a, a, a thanks, but no thanks, like letter uh, would have would have been nice from St. Cloud. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, feel, feel yeah. like you've earned that. You know, you... Yeah, exactly. And I figure, you know, it's all on Google Forms, so they could just do a spreadsheet and then just send out, dear Mister or Mrs. Blank, we regret to inform you that you did not thank you for your interest. Uh, and then here's a link to season tickets. You know, I yeah. feel like something like you could have easily just kind of uh, gone that way with it, but. Uh, oh, anyway, uh, I didn't. But the good news is uh, we'll keep doing the podcast because I'm sure there was some kind of like conflict of interest thing that they wouldn't let me do it. That That is the upshot, and they don't know what they're missing. Um, exactly. So really, the uh, announcer's loss is all of our uh, hundreds of millions of listeners, their gains. That's correct. That's how we, uh, that's how we roll uh, on this show. So glad to... Glad to, so it sounds like you're you're re-signing, uh, you're re-upping your contract to remain on the Huskies Hockey Podcast. It's it's uh, we, we like to hear that. Yep, uh, I'm 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 not gonna take my talents to the Live Golf Tour anytime soon. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm staying right here. Turn down the uh, no the, other the, the, turn no down other the, podcast the is gonna poach me away. That's right. The so. live live the live podcast <laughs> uh, is is not living with you at least. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a shame, but yeah, as uh, as you alluded to, we are the best uh, podcast out there, just podcast in general, but certainly the best Huskies hockey podcast in general, and we also talk about college hockey uh, at as a whole, um, hockey in general, but mostly where our focus is on Tank Lod State and the NCHC, uh, and that's that's our bread and butter in the off season. You know what we we do have a fair amount of uh, of news and notes regarding St. Cloud State, um, but we all and we also have some news and notes about uh, sort of the national picture. Uh, but these these uh, summer podcasts we can kind of get uh, big picture topics worked in as well stuff that takes a little too long to discuss during the season when we're recapping games and 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 commenting on the regular flow uh, of the hockey season. So we've been teasing this uh, realignment discussion 
for the last few podcasts, and we're we're hoping to have that today uh, towards the end of the podcast. So stick around for that. Uh, we did want to mention some uh, Saint Cloud State news, kind of front load that. Uh, talk about that first, um, and some of these items we sort of touched on last month, as you know, like Nick Oliver leaving. Um, uh, and, and making that vacant uh, assistant coach job, well, that's been filled since since then. The full schedule has been released at the la- at the last podcast. Just the conference schedule had been released, so we can sort of tie the bow on a couple of topics. And we also have some newer topics as well. Um, I would say the biggest news point or bullet point um, for Saint Cloud State hockey is not on the men's side, but it's on the women's side. Uh, with the yep. uh, announcing the hire, which was made by uh, Heather Weems. We, we were wondering with her news of being uh, named the new NCHC commissioner uh, at the time when the women's coach had not yet been announced. She, it, she was the one to make the decision and, and to formally introduce Brian Adolski uh, as the new St. Cloud State Huskies women's coach. A guy with... I imagine her office is was just empty, uh, already yes. moved out, everything already in boxes, or maybe even she had to come back for this one announcement, <laughs> and it's uh, she she had to come back quickly do this one little thing. Okay, sign the paperwork. All right, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, uh, and and it's a big one. You know, this is uh, uh, Adolski is uh, from a name recognition standpoint, one of the better kind of sexier hires, I think, that St. Cloud State could have made. Adelski was the head coach of the North Dakota women's team for about 10 years. I remember probably right around that time of the Whiskey Dave, the infamous Whiskey Dave podcast. Uh, it might have been around that time. Maybe, maybe it was in early 2017, but when it was announced that North Dakota was was axing their women's program, that was a complete shock uh, at the time. And Adolski mm-hmm. was the, the coach there who really did quite the job of a turnaround with the North Dakota women's program at that time. When he had inherited the job, I think in 2006 or 7, uh, North Dakota was, and, and this sounds strange coming from a North Dakota hockey program, but the, the women's North Dakota team in that mid 2000s era was you know they were terrible, I, they were terrible. They I think were they had bad. a they had a winless season I believe somewhere in there uh and this is a team that you know not sure exactly when the uh was it the Betty uh the, the specific women's uh ice rink I'm not sure exactly when that opened but this is North Dakota hockey I mean they had resources but it just never clicked uh until Adelski came there it took him a couple of years of cleaning out the cupboards from the previous regimes. But, you know, starting in the, in the early 2010s, you know, uh, turned around North Dakota into a point where they were a top half of the WCHA team um, and certainly was a competitive team at, until the point that uh, North Dakota sort of pulled the rug out for a moment of that program. And again, a huge surprise at the time, you know, we're not uh, unfamiliar with tight athletic budgets and having to cut programs. And St. Cloud had to do that uh, with its football team and other sports as well. Um, but just from, from the North Dakota standpoint of, of just the rich hockey tradition, 
and, and having a program that seemingly was stabilized and on its way up, uh, that was a big shock. Uh, and, and I think some, you know, I'm sure Adolski had been like, well, you know, what the hell, uh, what better of a job can I have done? And, and what, what could we have done to, to, to earn, uh, in not getting axed as a program. And so he's, he's been able to, to work. I mean, he's, he's, he was the uh, coach of the, he was in, there was a women's league in, was it Russia? Um, somewhere in Europe, he was a coach of that. I think he was the, he was an Olympic coach for, I believe the Chinese team, was it? Uh, they were at the Olympics, yep, I believe, correct. this last year. So, I mean, he's still had his foot in the door and, and had a couple of head coaching positions since then, but this will be his return to D1 NCAA hockey uh, as a head coach. And if you were looking for a guy that is going to turn a program around, this guy has a track record of doing that. Uh, at a program that we're familiar with, um, yeah, I just I would love to see the the women's program make a turnaround similar to the, to what Adolski was able to do in North Dakota. Uh, you know, we are a Saint Cloud State uh, hockey podcast, and ninety five percent of the time we're talking about the men's program, and a lot of that, at least for my, speaking for me, just that the women's program hasn't been very competitive on the ice, and I would love to to make more time and to be uh, forced to talk about the women's team more often because we're talking about a top three team in the WCHA, a team that can beat uh, Minnesota and Wisconsin and can, you know, hang in there with Duluth and make an NCAA tournament and stuff like this. It might not be realistic to think that's possible in the next year or two, but looking at what Hidelski was able to do uh, in Grand Forks, that would be the best case scenario. And I do wish him uh, the best of luck. And I, I, I think this was a great hire um, by Heather Weems on her way out. And what do you what do you have to say about uh, about this uh, about this news? Yeah, I mean, I I totally agree. Um, and, and I think that's what was really attractive to to Heather and the coaching board hiring process um, was the fact that you know he was able to turn around that North Dakota team that was so abysmal. And I'm going to keep talking about how bad North Dakota was just because it, 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 it makes me smile inside a little bit. But, yeah, I mean, they had, like you said, three, four win seasons. Um, and then after four years at North Dakota, he turned it into a 20-win season. Um, and then it was up there for, you know, the next five years or so. So if he's able to do that um, with St. Cloud, you know, that's – we've always been kind of the afterthought and a lot of teams have been able to jump us and, you know, St. Cloud had the women's team has always kind of been lackluster. Um, I thought they were going to be on their way up when I was um, there in college in the mid two thousands. We had, we had some really good players. I thought we were kind of, kind of building to that, but then, you know, we just, you know, I guess kind of, let let the foot off the gas a little bit and the program stumbled and really has not been able to recover. Um, we've had really good players, but never um, really as a team been able to, to kind of get over that hump and teams like Bemidji, like uh, Minnesota state has, has ended up passing us on the women's side. 
So, you know, we, we got to get back to that. And I think um, Brian's the kind of guy that is, is, has, has that experience and to go ahead and, and, and turn programs around. And that's what I'm lo really looking forward to. And I bet that was kind of a, the big difference maker between, you know, Brian and uh, Molly Ingstrom um, that, that they liked about Brian. That's why they chose him as the hire. So um, I, 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 a part of me would have loved a, a woman for the women's job, obviously, but um, I think with um, the pedigree Brian brings to the table, I, I think that would have been a tough one to, to pass up on. And I think it's the right hire, and I'm excited to see where this program's going to go. And I'm excited to check out some games here um, next year. Yeah, and it sounds like Engstrom will remain on staff uh, as a assistant um, under Adolski. I did check that. I thought I thought that UND was was winless. Um, it looks like they were winless in the conference the year before Adolski was was hired. So they're o twenty seven and one in the WCHA in uh, would have been two thousand six two thousand seven. So yeah, this guy and two NCAA tournament appearances uh, back to back in twenty twelve and twenty thirteen. At that point, smaller field. Now that the uh, NCAA field has been expanded for the women's side up to eleven, which I don't know why they. They just don't make that a round number of 12, uh, but it's it's the NCAA's math is is how they get that number. But so there's a couple of extra. Well, well, they got it by percentage. There was like there's a smaller yeah, percentage. That's... So and it's like just do a just make it easy. Don't I don't know. It was it was really frustrating to see that. And I mean that expanded field led to Duluth making the Frozen Four, and they would have been the last team in. They wouldn't have made the tournament under the previous. Uh, format because they didn't have you know it would have only been eight teams um and so uh this was the even the first year of expanding it they were able to uh you know the, one of those last teams in was able to parlay that into a frozen four appearance so uh yeah i i i do find this and i mentioned last in the last podcast this is the first time that st cloud has, has hired someone with previous d1 head coaching experience um, at the women's level. Um, and so this is a, a bit of a different hire uh, from that regard, um, but I'm excited for it. And I, I do think that, again, uh, it might take a couple of years, but you start him uh, getting his recruits in there uh, and getting a, a good foundation. I think this is a, a good opportunity. I, I've always thought, yeah, I mean, from the women's side, it, it has been sort of a it's the Gophers in Wisconsin and Duluth and, and everybody else. Uh, but this is, you know, they're positioned in a good spot. Uh, and I think as, as the women's game continues to, the, the parody continues to spread, I say there's really no reason for St. Cloud not to step up uh, and, and get into that conversation eventually. Uh, I, I hope so. And like I said, uh, wish uh, Adolski the best of luck. And so, yeah, uh, that's our kind of our top story uh, of, of the week. Speaking of St. Cloud State coaches, we mentioned that uh, Nick Oliver departed the program to be the men's program. Uh, assist, former assistant coach Nick Oliver took the job at the Fargo Force in the USHL, which created opening behind the bench. Uh, Do you think uh, Oliver is going to be able to afford some AirPods? Uh, that he'll be able to put on the bench instead of the wired uh, earbuds that he always he, used to use. I don't know. It's that uh, you know, Fargo is is kind of the big time 
And so let's hope that that new deal uh, offers him some. Maybe he's got like a he can get like a, a endorsement deal from uh, from Apple uh, to to rock the uh, the newest uh, flashiest uh, uh, earpieces. That is yep, that is good. Go. And he's so he's handing off the earpiece, so to speak, to uh, <laughs> sanitized it, of course, um, but. Uh, to uh, R.J. Enga, uh, I'll pat myself on the back because I kind of nailed this one in our yeah, previous podcast. Yeah, you called podcast. that one. That's, it, why, that's why you guys listen to us. It just seemed like the uh, Occam's razor, the most sim- the simplest explanation. He has uh, assistant coach. I mean, he was already on staff to begin with. He was the video coordinator last year, uh, and he has behind the bench assistant experience with CC. Uh, so he's been around the block already familiar with Larson and the rest of the coaching staff, or I guess at this point, Larson and uh, Shyak. And so it was made official that, that he's going to take over uh, uh, Oliver's job or slot behind the bench as the second assistant coach. Um, Have not heard who they're replacing as the video coach. I mean, this is kind of a musical chairs of when one position is vacant, then it's filled and that creates another vacancy. So I'm sure we'll hear another, another hire sometime later in the summer to see who takes yeah, over for not Enga. me again. <laughs> again. Apparently. And you're not even getting Jeez. a form letter for that either. Uh, and, no, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, but uh, not too much of a surprise there. Uh, welcome, uh, I guess, into the. Well, I mean, he is an assistant coach as the video. Well, I don't know what the title exactly is. If you are an assistant coach as being the video coordinator, it might have been sort of a assistant or associate head coach uh, however the pecking order goes uh congratulations to anga uh, for the promotion um also uh full schedule we we talked about this last month uh the schedule was 90 percent announced uh, at the time of our last podcast the entire conference schedule was announced and a few of the non-conference schedule dates were announced as well. We kind of knew who the opponents were for the other three non-conference uh, slots. We just didn't know when and where. That since, since then, that has been announced. So they will be playing St. Thomas right off the bat, just like they did last year. It'll be a Saturday-Sunday, uh, October 1st and October 2nd. Um, the official college hockey calendar starts on October 1st. So you technically they can't, at least for the men's side, I think a women's side starts a, a, a week earlier, but that's why a week you, earlier. Yeah. That's why you can't start on September 30th, that Friday, because that's not, it's, it's before the official start of the men's <laughs> college hockey season. So that's why you do a Saturday, Sunday series right off the bat there. Um. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then you have, let me see if I can, uh, Get these dates well, then you got a correct. week off. You got the, uh, yeah. I was I was wondering if, if that was the week off then or if it was the weekend off. But yeah, so you get the week off there. Um, so I guess the Saturday Sunday, meaning the one day shorter rest when it normally is. If you were gonna have a Friday Saturday series the week after that, that doesn't matter. Yeah, get, we're gonna need extra. We're gonna need extra rest. Yeah, extra. Matsko day. Matsko day. Big brain. Big brain by Larson to push that weekend back to make sure we got that. Nice it's, rest in there, and it's that's tr- that's a travel uh, weekend Wisconsin too. Days. You know, that's a four-hour drive. Yeah. I mean, 
Uh, I don't know how they're going to be able to pull that off without oh, stop stop. Wisconsin, you got to stop too. in the middle in Toma too. Like you got to fill up with gas probably halfway through. You know, so it's it's tough. Uh, Maybe it, even a pit stop at the Dells. Who knows? Yeah, there I go. Um, Toma was the because uh, my brother went to Madison. Toma seemed to be like the halfway point between St. Cloud and uh, and and Madison, right on ninety four there. But uh, yeah, that Wisconsin series will be on the fourteenth and fifteenth. Right next to right next to a cheese shop and a sex shop because that's <laughs> well, that's, pretty much that's all Wisconsin Yeah, that's Wisconsin. and that's that's basically Wisconsin cheese shops and and porn shops. Cheese and uh, porn. Yeah. Uh, so I guess yeah. what else do you need in life, right? That's right. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's when you, we, we grace the great state of Wisconsin, that 14th and 15th, be the first time in Wisconsin since, what, 2013? It'll be the first time in the Kohl Center from beyond that, because it'll be the first time in the Kohl Center since you made the TV, I think. Since I made it on TV on the Big right. Ten Network, yep. Yeah, because that 2013, that was the year that they won the WCHA at Wisconsin. But that, they played that series for some reason at the Dane Coliseum. I think it was because maybe the basketball team have something in the basketball the team. Yeah, the basketball team had a, um, a game there. that. So, yeah. Push it out to the Dane. So it'll be about 10 years Which plus. was an experience, that's for sure. Did you, you went to that series as well? Yep. The, the Dane well, one? Well, I went to the, the Saturday game. Okay. It was it was a long story, but uh, yeah, we just made a trek out there just for the Saturday game. It was a fun road trip. I never I never went to I never went to a game there, uh, sadly to say. Um, and so, God, if I was still around, I would definitely go up there. Maybe I'll maybe I'll see what's on the schedule. It'd be a good road trip. Been to been to Madison several times. Like I said, my brother went there, but I never went to a hockey game. So, uh, and like I said, Saint Cloud hasn't been there. For a hockey game in a decade, uh, so that'll be interesting to reignite that uh, rivalry uh, if there, if you know, whatever remains of that are. Uh, Saint Cloud coming off a a butt kicking uh, of the Badgers last year, uh, mm-hmm. and so see if they can do the same uh, in front of Wisconsin's dwindling fan base uh, this uh, this coming year. And then you got Mankato. We knew that series. That's the week after. Uh, that's a two gamer at the uh now at the herb and followed up by home and home with bemidji state closing out october that friday game is at uh, bemidji no travel day and then the saturday game is at home against the beavers and then the only other non-conference uh uh dates that were still unknown and i i kind of figured it'd be this first weekend in january just didn't know who was going to be that opponent it's actually the second weekend in January and I, this one was the one that was surprising to me. They're playing the Gophers in a home and home, but it's a Saturday Sunday uh, uh, series. Uh, Saturday the seventh uh, at Mariucci, or excuse me, that's the Saturday the seventh is at home at the Herb, and then at Mariucci on Sunday the eighth. I don't know why you're not doing Friday Saturday. It's not like this St. Thomas series where you, you know you couldn't play in the month of September. And they've, I mean, they'll be coming off a month off. Their previous game prior to this would be a December 9th and 10th series at Miami. So you're having three weeks off, and then you're playing again the Saturday Sunday series. I, I don't. Also needed the rest. I, uh, I mean, I honestly don't. I don't get it. I don't understand why uh, they're doing the Saturday Sunday instead of the Friday Saturday. But 
That was the only other. The only thing I can think of is that maybe there's a basketball game going on as well, and parking could have been it. But I mean, flipping a home and home series seems really easy. I know, I know when they do home and homes, they want to keep it this opposite of like if it's a home and home one. You know, like the first game is at. Right, Mariucci, and then the home game, and then you know, flip it for the next year, which is what they did here because this this past year it was at Mariucci on a Friday and then at the Herb on a Saturday, so they are they're flipping the. uh, And I think well, I guess I mean I think that's what they do for home and homes, right? When when they have this arrangement, but if they're like if they're worried about parking there at at Mariucci, still doesn't make sense why like I don't know. Maybe it's just as easy just to move it a day, too, especially because risk isn't that big of an issue. I don't know. It's just, yeah, like you said, it stands out. It's weird. Yeah, I don't quite get it. And you got a dreaded short week coming off that because you got the CC home series on Friday and Saturday uh, in January 13th and 14th. Bob is just big braining all of us. I think that's his thing is that now there's. Not enough rest for us. That's going to hurt. Us maybe that's what. Maybe the Gophers are off thirteenth yeah. and fourteenth. So he's thinking we'll screw over St. Cloud, give them a short week, and we want more rest. We want one more day of rest coming off the Christmas break. It. Bob is just working on a, a is. much higher level than all of yeah. us. Let's we're just, just face we're just, it. we can we're just lucky to go along with it. We we can't quite understand <laughs> the galaxy brain uh, at play here. So. Um, Every time I think I'm done with this bit, it just keeps giving. This is so good. I don't think I'm ever going to get over it. Oh, it's lovely. Oh, and I, I bet he's got some excuse for it. I mean, there has to be some rationale for it. It just seems so weird. Um, and it probably is something as, as simple as there is a basketball you know, conflict on one of those days, and that's what it is. But we can hope. We can hope for something, you know, like, oh, we scheduled an exhibition game with the Tommies on that Friday or some crap like that. Cross my fingers. Um, we'll, we shall see what the, uh, if there is a explanation given for that. Uh, but that, yeah. So again, the full schedule, uh, including all the conference games is, is, has been posted. You can, you can look on the NCHC website for that or rink live has the, has the full schedule. McHatton uh, has posted the full schedule there. So um, a couple things kind of stood out to me sure. with this schedule. Um, first off, um, you know, anytime I look at the schedule, um, I want to know who are the teams we're only facing once. Right. And then I am always like, who, when are the teams we're only facing once? So the teams we're only facing once is Western Michigan, at, and that's at home. Um, and that's awesome. You know, just with our recent history yeah. going to Lawson it has been absolutely abysmal. So to own, to have them and only play them at home, I think, is a huge win. I think them. now, I, now I, th- I do think Western's going to take a step back this year. Um, I don't. Think I do too. Uh, so maybe maybe we're talking about the seventh place team. Uh, maybe I wouldn't, wouldn't go seventh. Maybe we're talking about the sixth place team. You're only I don't know. One about series seventh. Yeah, yeah Miami, 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 and CC kind of got that on lockdown. Uh, the last two spots, uh, but we could be talking about a, a you know lower half of the conference team, but still based on sometimes based on the recent 
um, struggles that St. Cloud has had. It doesn't even matter how good Western's going to be. It's, it's, I think you're, and just their style of play, St. Cloud's always kind of struggled with. So I agree that it's, I, I'm okay with them just seeing Western once and, and only at St. Cloud, not going there. Exactly. And the other one is at Omaha. And what really stuck out to me is that our only series, the only time that we face Omaha is the second to last series of the year. Uh, that's on the February 24th and 25th. That's sandwiched in between at North Dakota and home against Minnesota Duluth. Um, I've actually early asterisks put a, my little footnote on that series thinking that series is kind of going to be the series that's going to make or break this where the Huskies kind of stand in this end up in the standings. Cause I think that's going to be the series where we're going to have to get all six points. Um, if we're going to really make a push for the top of the NCHC. Um, I, I, I think if we lose points at that time, I think we're kind of going to be screwed. Um, but obviously I don't know anybody else's schedules and I don't know how everything is going to shake up, but it's, I find that a, a, a key placement at a key time and kind of odd that, you know, that's the only time we face them and it's so late in the season. I, that kind of stuck out to me. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm looking at Denver and North Dakota as being sort of the clear tier, top tier of the conference. And it seems like I, I like that the schedule sort of, they spread those out, those games against those teams out throughout the years there's not going to be a gauntlet so to speak i i, I agree that i think yep. that north dakota omaha and duluth to end the year is the toughest stretch and, and four of the six of those games is, is on the road i think that's probably the toughest stretch but i mean the denver series is the first that's the conference opener playing at denver um then you got western michigan and then at cc that is that's what's between them and then a, a home series against North Dakota in the first half of the year. Second half of the year, you've got the Denver series at home in late January, followed by at Duluth. That'll be a tough two-week stretch, but that's sandwiched by home series against CC and Miami. Uh, and, and, mm-hmm. and right that, that after the Miami series is when you go on that season-ending UND, UNO, UMD uh, run to end the season. So, again, it's going to be tough games. It's just nice that they're not stacking you got a North Dakota and Denver series back to back like it was this year. Um, that's kind of nice to spread those teams out. But as we mentioned last week, it's going to be a tough schedule. It's going to be one of the probably the top three or four toughest schedules based on the RPI. Just based on last year, that's what it was. And you got the, basically the same opponents this year. There was going to be, like I said, Western's probably not going to be as good. St. Thomas might be a little bit better. I mean, they can only go up from 59. I guess they can go down because there are a couple of new yeah, teams they can this go year. Down now, so. I would assume they're going to be a little better, but it's not like they're going to help your pair as much. But and Mankato, who knows if they're going to be a little bit uh, of a there's going to be a drop off there. I would assume Wisconsin's going to be a little bit better because they were terrible last year. Uh, it's going to be a, 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 a at least a top five tough schedule. I, I'm going to guess. So getting the wins is going to be the toughest part. It doesn't really matter when you play them or or how they're stacked up. It's it's just producing uh, against these teams is going to be the challenge. 
And one thing you kind of pointed out, and well, okay, yeah, one thing you kind of pointed out um, with the fact that Denver and North Dakota, we play them earlier in the year and late in the year. Um, that's not the case with Duluth. With Minnesota Duluth, our we have five series, and you know, to the last five series that we have of the year, and two of them are against Minnesota Duluth. The first time that we play them is January twenty seventh and twenty eighth. Um, up up at uh, Amsoil, and then uh, closing out the season the third. It, it seems like that's so every year. Every year they do that. I, I I know a couple of times they've played Duluth in the first half of the season, but it seems like I, there was three or four years there when I was traveling to games that they were playing Duluth in mid January every year. Oh, we never get to play them in October. Never, or not there. I know never. they've opened the NCHC schedule with them at home. St. Cloud has. Yep. But they, yeah, I would have known if I would have taken a fall trip up at Duluth because that would have been great. Going oh, to Duluth in and ex- January 20th. And, and expensive. Would have been expensive, hotel yes. Rates, hotel rates really check up the prices but there. Uh, I would take that. Yeah. I would take a, paying a premium if it would, uh, if it would avoid the lakefront effect, negative um, 20 degrees, because that's what it was to each year was. Uh, there was one year that I don't think the temperature rose above zero the entire weekend that I was there. It's still Duluth. I, I do like Duluth as a city, but it just seems like every year it's they, they get stuck with the, the, the trip up there in the dead of winter. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's you, you do sort of... I kind of actually like getting Denver right away. Um, I probably would like it if it's at St. Cloud uh, in November rather than out there. But like last year, I mean, Denver, by the time that St. Cloud played them in January, they were they were rocking and rolling. They had a little bit of a hiccup yeah. there in the early part of the season, getting swept by North Dakota and blowing that lead out in uh, Providence. Um, so maybe getting them out there early in the season is uh, a benefit. I'm sure... I don't like, I mean, you got Denver and then you got your two Colorado trips, both in November, but two weeks apart. I'm wondering if like, if they had them two weeks in a row, if they would just stay out in Colorado. I don't think that's ever happened for St. Cloud, if that's ever been the case. But so you get two plane trips, right? Right. in sort of short sequence there uh, in November. But uh, yeah, it'll, it's going to be interesting to see how the schedule plays out. I, 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 I like the fact that you got the Gophers still. I like that Wisconsin series, Mankato again. That's that's their homecoming weekend as well. Uh, it's maybe I'm just thinking about like Gopher football homecoming. They always seem to like try to schedule a cupcake for homecoming, and this <laughs> I wouldn't. I, again, I think Mankato is not going to be as good as they were this year, but I still think that they're going to be. I would still pick them to to win the CCHA. I still think they're going to be a tournament team. That's a tough uh, draw for for homecoming weekend. Um, but, uh, and yeah, and the NCHC schedule is, is always going to be tough, uh, no matter what. So excited to see how this, uh, team faces that, that this, uh, this schedule. And so moving on from next year's schedule, we've got some future Husky news, some uh, recruits. These sort of keep trickling in. Haven't heard anything from, uh, you know, any transfer situations. Um, as far as next year's roster goes, I don't think there's going to be any major maneuvers there um, from from this time out. But 
as far as the recruiting trail, that's that that's always that's always on. It's that never ends for the coaches. And this is one of the hot times of the year for for coaches, and it's one of the busiest times of of their calendar year is is getting out on the recruiting trail. I know that the Robertson Cup for the NAHL, um, they had their which is a Final Four uh, tournament down in in the Twin Cities area. That's uh, basically a coaches' convention uh, where where all you know coaches are are there all weekend and scouting players and recruiting and, and making offers and and all that stuff and uh, wheeling and dealing, wheeling and dealing, uh, slapping backs, kissing babies. Uh, they're they're working the campaign trail, and so a couple of uh, recruits better than kissing backs and slapping babies. <laughs> Uh, that's, this is true. That, that, that is, that is true. Uh, so a couple of new Huskies, uh, or at least recruits have been announced. One, a legacy recruit for all of our fans that can remember early nineties Huskies. This is the son of Tony Gruba. Uh, it's defenseman Leo Gruba. Um, like his dad, a, uh, Hill Murray. Uh, product uh, and he is like I said a defenseman uh, in the NAHL and um, I believe he was with the um, with the wilderness of the NAHL uh, there's also um, and Gruba by the way according to McHatton's uh, um, or no he was with the Norseman the other there was another forward Barrett Hall uh, who also announced that commitment. Uh, St. Cloud also announced his commitment. He was from the Minnesota Wilderness of the NHL, so two NAHL players. Uh, and according to McHatton's uh, article, a write-up about Gruba, uh, the uh, uh, Tony Gruba, uh, he's got, there's an interview there. If um, they did, he did one of these interviews, McHatton did, um, with that early 90s, a, a, a few of the early '90s stars, um, uh, Knipshear was one of them. This was a couple. I think this was uh, uh, 2020. They did this uh, roundtable sort of discussion, and it was, and Gruba was one of them there. And I remember uh, listening to that, and it was it was very fun. I'm I'm not. Uh, this is getting a field from the recruits that I just announced, but uh, but I've always kind of been fascinated with that early. D1 era of St. Cloud hockey. Obviously, I wasn't around um, to watch the games. I mean, I was alive, but I wasn't. Why uh, wasn't a St. Cloud State fan at that at that time? But uh, I've always sort of been fascinated with with how the program was built, and especially those early years. And um, you know, guys like Gruba and Knipshear and um, Satterdalen and Hedekin and those sort of names from the early from the early days. So if you're and when so when Leo Gruba was uh, uh, when that commitment was announced, uh, Hatton again sort of reached out to, to uh, Tony and, and they did another interview as well. So check that out on the on the rink live if you're interested in in that. And not only listening to more about Leo Gruba, the future Husky, but also to get uh, some uh, some good Husky history um, from his from his dad. So. Any comment on some of these future Huskies? Um, again, don't know a ton about them at this point. NHL players, again, that league continues to improve overall. Should mention, I don't, yeah, I think the Robertson Cup ended since our last podcast. So the Norsemen 
did not win the uh, Robertson Cup. Um, I think it was the team from New Jersey that ended up winning. Uh, but St. Cloud's, uh, the St. Cloud Norsemen did make it uh, to that Final Four. And um, so that, that team, which is still in its infancy, a few years old, but seems to be on the right direction because not only are, are they uh, getting team success, uh, but recruits are, are coming in as well. I mean, St. Cloud's got you know a, a Norseman on its recruiting roster, so and they've been announcing uh, players uh, committing to other programs as well. So it seems like they're running the the uh, the ship there in the right direction. Any comment on on these recruits or just any of the other recruiting news in general? Um, yeah, well, I mean, obviously, first and foremost, uh, welcome aboard. Um, then we're, I'm excited to kind of follow them as they come up and kind of place them where I think they're going to be in, uh, you know, the, where they're going to place in, in the recruiting and in, 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 in the schemes. Uh, it's, you know, the, the Norsemen came from Brookings. They were the Brookings Blizzard um, originally. Um, then they moved and originally... You know, hearing that, I mean, we've got, you know, the Granite City Lumberjack, which is Tier 3, and then now a Tier 2, and then obviously St. Cloud State. You know, you originally thought it was very... I was really surprised by the move. I thought it was kind of a saturated market. And, um, you know, their first... Um, the, the, like, their first year or so, their attendance was absolutely abysmal um, because of that. But slowly and surely, they're starting to get more and more... Um, attendance and, and and people going to the games. They're they're out at the MAC and um, you know NHL for for your money that you're spending. It's it's really good hockey. I think the league has done an extraordinary job, um, really developing players. And you know maybe they're not going to get the flashiest guys, but you know you'll get the guys that are going to be you know solid players with that drive and determination. They're um, you know willing to really listen and, and the coaching aspect, they're more coachable. And, you know, from what I've uh, kind of heard, um, because they know, you know, this is kind of their last shot. So it's, yeah, it, it's, it's always interesting because, yeah, I don't know a lot about the players um, in, you know, specifically and, you know, even looking at USHL too, it's you know you can look at stat lines all you want and yeah we're gonna have high hopes for like Ingram or whatnot but you know there are some people who didn't really produce in the USHL and they're just studs in college hockey I mean you can look at you know Johnny Brodzinski I think he only had 10 goals or something like that in his USHL season um and you know basically I think Moscow even said they're not using you correctly just come in right now and we'll use you correctly. And then was a perennial 20 goal scorer for St. Cloud. So, um, you know, those, the, all those changes, you know, are all, all those uh, situations are completely, you know, you, you're never going to know those intangibles and you're just going to trust the coaching staff. And uh, as so far, I really trust Brett Larson and I'm excited to see where uh, this team is going to go with uh, the recruits that we're getting. So, so far looking at on paper and whatnot, I'm, I'm impressed and I'm happy. Have you been to one of the Norseman games yourself? I have not been to the Norseman games. I've been to Brookings Blizzard games when they were there because my uh, dad plays, uh, or my dad plays, jeez. Uh, my dad used dad to plays for tickets. you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Your dad's, uh, an, dad your dad's an up-and-coming college hockey player. Right, exactly. So 
happy Father's Day uh, to my dad as well. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he um, he uh, had season tickets, and so uh, every once in a while, like if we go down for like Christmas or we'd celebrate Christmas, um, you know, around the holiday or whatnot. But we try to you know match up with Brooklyn's Blizzard games. But I was always impressed with the level of hockey. Um, again, for you know the price of the admission, you know, ten bucks or something yeah. like that, and it's it it it, it it's good hockey. Yeah, and, you know, you're not going to get uh, USHL teams here in the area because again, saturation. You know, there's such a huge college presence that USHL can't kind of break through here. But um, definitely NHL. Yeah, go to those games because yeah, it's just, it's such a weird league. I I I always have been curious as to how it maintains itself or sustains itself financially because it's such a wide footprint i mean this this robertson cup the four teams that were in it anchorage st cloud team from new mexico and then the team from new jersey that ended up winning it i mean you couldn't get more spread out as far as teams that were in this tournament and they yeah they've got you know, teams in Texas, they got teams in Oklahoma, teams in Pennsylvania and sort of the Northeast, and then teams in, in Alaska as well. I just don't know how it how it all is paid for. But like I said, the uh, the product on the ice has been improving and, and steadily improving over the years uh, where it's definitely a viable league now to get some good recruits out of. So yeah, it's just uh, it, it's a it's a weird league, but a, but a good one. And I, if I was around, I'd probably would have checked out. I got a buddy that has gone to some of the the Norseman games and and really enjoys it. It's like I think there are like five dollar tickets there for those games. So it's affordable, and as you said, the the product on ice is is uh, is well worth the uh, the ticket admission. You get tra- travel over to the uh, New Mexico Ice Wolves. You know, make a make a trip out there. You know, I could, of, yeah. I, I wonder. Maybe I wouldn't be surprised if they have a NAHL team in Arizona somewhere. Uh, I I'm not. They do that. not. They do not. So maybe New Mexico is the closest uh, for me. But uh, yes, yeah, it is. yeah. That's that's possible. Yeah, it's just it's a it's an interesting league and interesting how the, the evolution of hockey continues. So, uh, yeah, so that ends the Huskies kind of related portion uh, of, of the podcast. We have some, some national uh, topics before we get to our, our realignment discussion, and we've got some rule changes to, talk, to discuss. But first, we do want to um, hear a word from our sponsor. Uh, we did hear a, a good, uh, some good feedback from our first sponsor last week. And that's good. We we, we want to hear, uh, you know, that people are are you know supporting our sponsors. You know, people that support our sponsors and the sponsors support us. So it's a symbiotic relationship, um, as they say, and it's it's very important. So, um, so here's uh, we'll just take a break to hear from our advertiser. Do you find yourself struggling to find high quality seaweed at an affordable price? Aren't you tired of dry, stringy, grainy supermarket seaweed? That's where today's sponsor, BetterKelp.com, comes in. BetterKelp is a subscription service that offers the very best ocean-sourced, harvest-grade seaweed shipped every month right to your mailbox. BetterKelp selections include grinds, shreds, and full sheets, with sheet sizes ranging from poaches stamp to king-size bed. If you're looking to step up your seaweed game, there's no better choice than BetterKelp. 
From garnishing soups and ramens to rolling the best sushi to providing an energy boost when used as a topical application or as an infused tea, better kelp is the answer. Renowned sushi chef Jiro Ono, star of the hit Netflix documentary Jiro Dreams of Sushi, says, There is no better kelp out there than betterkelp.com. As a bonus, every subscriber to Better Kelp receives a free box of chopsticks with every month's order. And for all your kelp needs, subscribers have access to our Kelper Helper Hotline, answered 24-7 by one of our kelp experts. Now, listeners to the Huskies Hockey Podcast can get $50 off their first order when going to better-kelp.com, entering the promo code HUSKY. That's B-E-T-T-E-R-K-E-L-P.com and enter the promo code HUSKY. Better kelp, because everyone deserves better kelp. Okay, so now transitioning to the national uh, college hockey landscape, just a couple of bullet points here. Uh, The GLI, Great Lakes Invitational, a holiday tournament uh, that goes back 50, 60 years, uh, Michigan-based tournament. used to be uh, Detroit-based. It was at the Joe Louis Arena for many years and a couple years at the new Red Wings tournament. arena last year kind of famously it was it was held on campus sites with uh at at yost and mun arenas uh with uh michigan and michigan state hosting michigan tech and who was the other team i can't remember who oh western michigan of course uh which was it it it, uh could you forget the western (laughs) i know well i guess i'm like mel pierce i just forgot about western um but uh forgot about signing contracts too yeah uh so that was the whole foofara of the tournament last year was the announcement you know only a week or so before the uh the game was supposed to be played. I mean, it wasn't even a tournament format. There was no, the two teams that win that will then play the next day because they were all sort of set, uh, dates and set, uh, locations for these games. So Michigan had its games against Michigan tech and Western Michigan. They ended up canceling the Western Michigan game ahead of time because they had a bunch of guys at the world juniors and they didn't think that they'd be able to field a team. Uh, this caused quite the stir in the college hockey community. Well, it was announced this year that the GLI is going back to the tournament format. It's not going to be in Detroit. It's going to be in uh, uh, Grand Rapids at uh, Van Andel Arena, which has hosted some regionals in the past. So I think their AHL team is there. Uh, the WCHA tournament was there for a few times, the new WCHA tournament, uh, or new WCHA before that was killed. Um, so it is going to be a neutral site uh, tournament format again uh, with Michigan Tech, obviously there. They are the host of this tournament and have been going back for since it started. Um, Western Michigan's going to be there. Michigan State's going to be there. Michigan, though, not going to be there. Doing the old upper Midwest uh, passive aggression we'll call you, don't call us. Uh, They're swapping uh, Michigan out for Bowling Green. And so this will be the first time, again, like I said, Michigan Tech has been the host of this tournament, but Michigan has been, I think, a part of all but three or four 
of the GLIs going back to the 60s. So this is going to be a rarity, having a GLI with, with no Michigan involvement. Uh, and again, we still haven't heard anything from the Mel Pearson front uh, as far as no contract renewal. We don't even know what his status as Michigan coach is. But we know one thing, he will not be able to back out uh, of the GLI next year. Uh, what, what's, what's your take on that? Well, again, very big brain. Uh, you can't back out if you're never invited in the first place. So I think that's uh, kind of the um, aspect that they're going there. Um, yeah, it's <laughs> getting the boot every every year since 1973 uh, that they've had the tournament and uh, that the Wolverines have uh, been in it and now just uh, parting ways with. So it's, you know, Michigan still has that huge cloud with Mel Pearson, um, whether he is the coach or he's not the coach. That's got to be kind of a big question for a lot of the, um, uh, you know, a, a lot of the supporters and 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 the and the, uh, and the players as well. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's great that it's going back to a regular tournament format. Um, you know, I like these holiday tournaments or these kind of midseason tournaments. I think they're um, kind of a fun little um, uh, divergent, you know, from, from the season. Obviously, it's still, uh, you know, a lot goes on to every game and a lot's at stake, but it's uh, still kind of fun to have something on the line um, when it comes to that. And, you know, it's always fun when uh, St. Cloud's part of them. You know, they've downed it the Everblades every once in a while. We got invited down there down in Florida for that tournament. And so it's, um, you know, uh, kind of uh, kind of fun to also see, you know, Michigan not being there and therefore, you know, some some of the smaller schools uh, get, you know, you know, usually they kind of rotate those smaller schools in and whatnot and, and actually give them a little bit more of a stage, um, I think, is, is is pretty awesome. And you know, from everything I remember, at least from Van Andel Arena, it's a good, it's a good size, it's a good um, location, and a good arena for hockey. So it's it'll be interesting to see what um, kind of transpires from this, um, and you know, if that's going to be the new norm, or if uh, you know, this is just kind of a one season punishment for backing out hiatus for Michigan. <laughs> know like a suspension or whatnot so um yeah that's uh that's just kind of my take on it yeah and they michigan's rationale was and i wonder how this plays into holiday tournaments in general but their rationale was we got a bunch of guys in the world juniors i think that's the one kind of downside of having like see tournaments during that time shite so they and the, we should mention too the World Juniors, which was, like I said, the reason that they backed out because five of their guys are going to be playing and not going to be playing with Michigan during that time period, that ended up getting canceled itself because of COVID. Uh, and they're going to be replaying that in August or September, one of the two. It's going to be before the season. That's going to be the makeup for the 2022 World Juniors. They're still going to be playing a 2023 Juniors at that same time. I've always thought it would be a decent idea to just move that World Juniors to something that's not, like, right before the season, I think would be kind of a, a fun time to do that, like in September, right before the regular season for college hockey starts. Um, maybe, maybe it's 
maybe not. I mean, maybe some people say we, we want it to be in the middle of the hockey season, the tradition of it being in sort of straddling the end of December and the beginning of January. I mean, it's the tradition that's hard to, to break. Um, but I just don't like that teams. I mean, St. Cloud, uh, you know, Brett Larson was gone for this period last year because he was on the staff. Um, and, uh, and then, and then we also had the Olympics last year as well. Was actually, was Larson gone this year or was it the year before? I know he's been the assistant for, for one of the staffs of the world juniors in, in recent years. I thought, it, I thought he was gone this year. Maybe, maybe I'm I getting my think years. It was the year, yeah, I think it was the year before. I, I think you're right. Um, yeah. Cause was it, I know Hastings was the coach a c- couple of years ago. Maybe it was under Hastings. Um, Anyway, he's been gone. I mean, St. Cloud has had players gone for that. It was um, Pert last year uh, was gone. Um, he didn't end up missing. He, had a, he missed one of the Bemidji, or maybe both of the Bemidji games. He was supposed to miss more, but because the tournament was canceled, he was able to play um, probably one weekend that they were not planning on him being available. Uh, but it's just, it is sort of an inconvenience for these teams to miss players. It's a good problem to have because it means that you're, you've got recruits that are playing, you know, that, that are getting, you know, making the U20 team. I mean, that's a good feather to have in your cap, but it also is, I mean, you're, you're losing some impact players for a couple of weeks during the season. I don't think that's necessarily ideal. I'm wondering if, if this, uh, kind of one-off when they play in the off-season if, if people say, hey, why don't we just do this going forward? I, I kind of doubt that happens, but it's just something to, to keep in mind. At least then it would prevent guys like Pearson from pulling this kind of stunt in the future, from saying that we don't have enough, enough players to, to feel the roster, which was BS to begin with, but, but still it would completely wipe that out off the table for future excuse makers. Um, so there's that. And like I said, I like that it's back to being a tournament, and I, we should be glad that it's continuing on to begin with. Because for you know, COVID knocked it out for 2020, uh, and or for 2021, I should say, or no, the, the end of the year, the calendar years make it make it tough. So last year, yeah, so 2020 was not it was not played. 2021 it was. But even after last year and then the, the whole Michigan with the Michigan debacle and, and it being on campus sites, not at a neutral facility, you know, we didn't know whether or not the GLI was even con- con- going to continue at all. Uh, and so it's nice to know that they are trying to, to keep their tradition alive. And I think, like you said, having an, a neutral site will, um, that's a, that's a good sign as well. I don't think it made much sense to do it at at a neutral at or at campus sites and not have a tournament format. So that's that's good to see. Uh, the Gophers, you know, well, more specifically, marriage the management management and Motsko as well. Galaxy Brain um, announced that the uh, Mariucci Arena, the ice sheet, uh, is getting reduced. Uh, this is sort of my hobby horse. I've been. Uh, on this podcast, saying that St. Cloud should should uh, scrap the Olympic ice uh, and go to NHL size ice, uh, which takes money uh, that St. Cloud doesn't have. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit, but um, so the Gophers are—they're actually not. It's not going to be NHL size, uh, which is um, 
200 feet wide, uh, 200 feet long by 85 wide. Uh, and Olympic size is 100 feet wide rather than uh, 85. So they're shrinking it. I think they said it's like 92 wide. It's going to be so it's still going to be larger than NHL size. But another factor in Olympic size sheets, which can be variable, is the depths of the corners. Uh, Mariucci, I think, has the deepest corners uh, in college hockey. So their their 200 by 100 seems even bigger because those corners don't they're they're almost like a rectangle almost. It's it's as close to a rectangle as you can get with just barely curved corners, which means that the corners are just very deep, and that adds more ice uh, to to the playing surface. So they're going to be also kind of making that le- making those corners less deep. Um, so again, it's going to be reducing the ice sheet to closer to what the AHL size uh, sheet is. It's still going to be bigger than that. That's that's what Mankato did. I think Mankato's size is either like 92 or 93. Theirs was a, an Olympic sheet at one point. Um, Cole Center as well is not. They're larger than. Uh, NHL size, but they're, it's not quite um, Olympic size. It's in that 90 to 92 foot wide range. I don't think they ever were Olympic size. I think that's just how they built it. I, I might be wrong about that, but but they have been larger than NHL, but but smaller than Olympic size as well for a while. So, and I think for Cole, it's I mean Cole was built with basketball in mind. Sure. So they kind of retrofitted it with hockey, and I think that was just kind of like. This is what we can fit, or this is what we can put in there. Should we do it? And sure, let's do it. Yep. So, so another Olympic size sheet goes by the wayside. Uh, I'm not sure if that's going to be the case starting this year. I, I assume that's the case. Um, it, it does take some some engineering. I mean, you got to kind of move some stuff around, and um, so I, I would assume it's going to be ready for for this coming season. But uh, so if that is the case, we've got you know, a CC moved off, you know, their new facility, you know, World Arena was an Olympics sheet, but their new facility is an AHL size sheet. Uh, Alaska Anchorage, which is back this year, they no longer play in the Sullivan Center. They they were playing in a, a smaller sort of practice facility uh, their last year that they played. Um, so that is no longer uh, an NHL or a Olympic size sheet at the NCAA level. It's a dying breed. You've got St. Cloud, um, you've got Northern Michigan, you've got New Hampshire, you've got the uh, Alaska Fairbanks, and I think that's it um, as far as the 200 by 100, the true Olympic sheets. Um, so they're kind of a dying breed, uh, and I've, like I said, I've said that it's it would be a benefit from a recruiting standpoint. It's fun. It it, it it's interesting, I think, because it illustrates the evolution of, of college hockey. Uh, these Olympic sheets, if you look at the dates of the when these buildings that I just mentioned were built, every one of them is going to be in the early 90s, late 80s to early 90s. That is when the Olympic sheet fad was at its peak. This coming off the Miracle on Ice, which elevated college hockey as sort of college hockey's main purpose is to feed the, the national Olympic team. That's sort of the main purpose of NCAA hockey. Well, in the last 30 years plus 
that goal has now been surpassed by now the goal of NCAA hockey is to field professional hockey players, which was not the case in the late 80s and early 90s. That was more the exception to the rule. Guys, you know, still, it is, I mean, still, it's, it's a long shot going from NCAA to the NHL. I mean, the, the major juniors are still the major feeder leagues uh, to the NHL, but the percentage of NHL players coming from college has greatly increased over the last few generations. And so the goal of NCAA hockey is, is being the Olympic feeder. I mean, there was a year, you know, couple of decades that, that the NHL was the feeder team for the Olympics. I mean, again, prior to the mid nineties, Olympic teams were NCAA players uh, comprised those teams, but, but, that was that was a goal that was um, taken over by the NHL, and in the last few years, we've had this, these hybrid teams of AHL players with some NCAA players as well. But I don't think that's a long-term uh, plan for the Olympic teams. Um, and so, yeah, it, these Olympic sheets, I think, are kind of a a passe uh, idea in college hockey. And so, I think that the that colleges should reflect what's uh what what the game is is going towards today and obviously it's tough it takes time and money and and St. Cloud as we know is is uh is not cash rich as a program although they did uh, announce a sizable you know one one and a half million dollar gift from a, an alum uh to for some upgrades to the herb uh, this isn't going towards any ice sheet uh, changing projects, but I know Weldy is is uh, more than willing to talk about the acoustics uh, of the herb and how that could get uh, an improvement. And it sounds like these funds are being specifically earmarked to improve that sound system. Uh, and I think the scoreboards as well, if I'm not uh, mistaken. Good to see this. I mean... Yep. It really, it's, it's something where you just hope to have a certain amount of sugar daddies uh, as alumni to, you know, have these gifts. It's not something that's really, you can really bank on this kind of stuff. Oh, yeah, we can just have one of someone just give us $2 million. Uh, not a luxury that every college can afford to have those, those kind of people uh, ready and willing to open up their checkbook and not want anything in return. But uh, that's a start. Uh, who knows if the, you know, we've got phase three of the, uh, or phase two or whatever phase they're on of the Herb uh, renovation, which is stuck in neutral, uh, I think, for, for a while. Hey, hey, we'll take the million and a half to improve the sound. We've got to start somewhere. It's the incremental approach. Uh, we'll, we'll take it. Uh, and so if I, I know that I'm more sort of, um, I'm not exactly rabid about getting uh standard ice versus Olympic ice, but you you feel you, I know you don't really see it as as that big of a an issue. Uh, and yeah, I don't. It's it's not the major, it's not the number one issue, I think. But um, but I would like to see it happen someday, and uh, and maybe we just need to uh convince this uh this donor. Hey, maybe throw some more money at the at, at the uh, at yeah, the herb. Cheapskate, <laughs> come on, <laughs> open up the purse strings. Um, yeah, I 
I mean, the, uh, the, the acoustic system is terrible. It is so hard to hear anything. And everything just bounces off. And just the sound system, I remember sitting there at graduation, and it was just muffled. You couldn't hear anything. And you can't go a season without somebody skating out to the wrong name. Because obviously they can't hear, because it just sounds like you're talking through a pinch straw. It's it's so needed, and I'm so happy about that. And also, yeah, the scoreboards. I mean, they're going to be, um, they're going to get a huge upgrade. And um, you know, from the uh, Photoshop, <laughs> the terrible Photoshop um, image of of the. Uh, uh, video boards and whatnot, um, but that's going to be nice as well. You know, you're going to have an overhead look um, with the uh, with the screen as well. Um, so it's going to be hanging over over the ice sheet as well from the from the viewing aspect. So that's going to be improved as well. Um, so yeah, I mean, anytime that you can put you know more upgrades into the facility, I'm I'm a huge huge fan of. Uh, I don't, yeah, l- like you said about the size and you know i don't know all the ins and outs uh you know with uh, shrinking the ring size or whatnot but you know probably nothing until you know the refrigeration system has to get updated and maybe if they do a mass update they can they can look at shrinking it and you know it's just uh you know you know when you look at it from you know 92 and a half you're only you know shrinking it by four feet on each side uh, about. So it's, so it's just, it's just a little bit of, uh, of a little bit of breathing room. And it's not like it's going to make that weird of a fan experience for those people. And, you know, in the lower rows and whatnot. So it's, you know, that's, that's awesome that, uh, you know, uh, 3M at Mariucci is able to, um, you know, have the, the donors and the money be, be able to do that. Again, like you said, we don't have that luxury. I'm not donating a million, two million, five million plus to get that done. So I did not uh, strike it big on my crypto. So so sorry about that. But um, yeah, it, maybe it's in the future. If it's in the future, I wouldn't expect it for another 10 plus years. So it's just, this is, this is what we got. I don't think it's that big of an advantage anyway. Um, and, you know, it's just um, just kind of a scapegoat for anything else. In my opinion, so but um, I'm excited to uh, see the improvements. You know, maybe you know I was thinking for uh, the home opener for the women's game, um, head out there and and, and watch it. So, and it, it, you're saying you know the sound and making improvements there. You were in the perfect position to have an effect on upgraded sound by being the new PA announcer, and they just piss that away without even they, 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 they didn't even give me they didn't even give me a rejection letter N- yeah, they, they just nothing. tossed me aside like i was it's just something that gets tossed aside easily again they don't know what they're missing um but uh uh yeah that's that would have been an easy fix in, in my book but i think so yeah so and then your uh could have saved you a million dollars right there just have <laughs> me do it just have me replace Chuck. Yeah, that makes sense. That's right. Well, that is about as good as a time as any to go ahead and just end the podcast right there. Uh, so that 
concludes part one. Uh, we'll have part two uh, coming up over uh, probably in the next week or so. So uh, thank you so much for listening. And until next time, go Huskies. Woo!